welcome to Back to Health, your source for the latest in health, wellness, and medical care. Keeping you informed so you can make informed healthcare choices for yourself and your whole family. Back to Health features conversations about trending health topics and medical breakthroughs from our team of world-renowned physicians at Weill Cornell Medicine. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're discussing rehabilitation medicine and how it can help you. My guests are Dr. Joel Stein. He's a physiatrist-in-chief and chairman in the Department of Rehabilitation Medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine, and Dr. Michael O'Dell. He's the vice chairman of clinical services in rehabilitation medicine at New York Presbyterian Weill Cornell Medicine. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Dr. O'Dell, I'd like to start with you. What is rehabilitation medicine, and how is it defined in the healthcare sector? I like to think of rehabilitation medicine as the specialty that maximizes human performance. We deal with a, a, a amazingly wide variety of patients in rehab, from those with musculoskeletal injuries to neurologic rehab to cancer rehab. And so it's difficult to define this on the basis of a diagnosis, but regardless of the population that we are treating and regardless of whether you're using medications or injections or exercise, our endpoint is always how a patient performs, whether it's uh, taking care of themselves, mobility, work, or play. Performance is always the endpoint of our intervention. Dr. Stein, how would you define rehab medicine to patients? How do you explain it to them? I often focus on the disorders that we treat because I think that's how many people think about uh, selecting a physician. So we deal with, of course, a variety of neurologic disorders, as Dr. Odell mentioned, uh, including stroke, uh, brain injuries, injuries to the spinal cord, multiple sclerosis. Um, and our focus there is on finding ways to help people um, function better, to manage their uh, limitations from the neurologic um, disease better, um, and to um, live life to its fullest. The other group, large group of disorders that we treat are those affecting the musculoskeletal system, and these include uh, back pain, neck pain, uh, various sports injuries, overuse injuries, um, anything that hurts essentially uh, is another major area where we can provide non-surgical management, uh, diagnosis, uh, treatment, of these disorders and help return people to the activities that they love um, and, um, and whenever possible avoid the need for surgery. Dr. Stein, I'm sticking with you for a second. As you mentioned physicians, what kind of physicians and healthcare providers practice rehab medicine? What draws them into the field? Our colleagues in the field have been drawn to it by, generally speaking, a holistic perspective, a desire to look at the whole person rather than just focus narrowly on a particular aspect of uh, health or disease. Um, they are, by and large, a very pragmatic group, uh, really trying to figure out what are the practical ways they can help people achieve their goals. Um, we, we certainly spend time with diagnosis, uh, with uh, treatment and cure in many cases, but oftentimes cures are not possible, and we are a specialty that excels in figuring out how to get people feeling better and more active even if a cure is not in the cards. So, Dr. Odell, what kinds of modalities are involved? As long as you're discussing occupational therapy, people have heard about physical therapy, but what does that really mean, and what kind of modalities do you use to help people? 
So exercise is the primary modality. Anyone who goes into rehab medicine as a physician or as a therapist provider really is uh, heading in that direction as a career because exercise is important to them and that's what they want to learn about. So we use a variety of exercises to treat weakness, to treat um, walking difficulties, to treat um, muscle stiffness, and that can be um, combined with, from a physician standpoint, medications or injection therapy um, to treat pain or other problems. And from a therapist standpoint, can uh, involve the use of ultrasound, uh, can be, uh, involve the use of electrical stimulation uh, to help control pain and movement. Uh, it can involve uh, types of massage and soft tissue mobilization that occupational and physical therapists are well trained uh, in. It's important to make the distinction between the role of a uh, therapist in rehabilitation medicine and that of a physiatrist. As a physician, I'm involved with making a diagnosis and helping manage the symptoms of a given um, uh, neurologic or non-neurologic disease process. A physical occupational therapist will be involved in the the actual provision of a variety of exercises and, as you said, sometimes modalities um, in addition to the physician to really help control those symptoms and get somebody back to a level of performance that they're interested in. So how do the, the physical therapists work with the actual doctors? How do you work together with your team, doctor? We work very closely with our physical and occupational therapists, both in terms of the inpatient rehabilitation unit that we have here at Weill Cornell, and also on the outpatient setting as well. So, for example, um, there are any number of medications that may be required um, in the setting of neurologic or musculoskeletal um, uh, uh, rehabilitation. Oftentimes, it's the therapist or and sometimes the, the nurses who actually identify the need for that particular medication because, quite frankly, they spend a lot more time with the patients than we do as physicians. As a physician, I will ultimately make the decision on what medication, if any, may be appropriate, and it's that feedback back to me as a physician from my therapist and nurses as to whether that intervention has worked or not. So it really works very smoothly as a team with the therapist serving as my eyes and ears to a certain extent to take the very best care of that patient as I possibly can. If I could add something, um, I'll I'll give a concrete example for a patient with back pain. Uh, So someone has back pain that's causing um, uh, them to really be impaired. They can't go about their daily activities. Their primary care physician um, sends them to one of our physicians to get a specialty evaluation. We might decide that they need imaging to determine if they have a pinched nerve uh, that might be contributing to the pain, um, and then perhaps put them on medication and have them work with a physical therapist for exercise therapy. Um, After um, that um, that works for several weeks, maybe the patient is better, but um, perhaps not, in which case we might consider say, an injection, if that might be the next uh, action for this patient. Uh, and then, again, probably some more exercise therapy with the physical therapist. So it's, it's very much a, a team process where the physician is uh, managing the diagnostic and, um, uh, and the medical treatments, the injections if needed, and the physical therapist really provides the hands-on exercise training. Dr. O'Dell, since rehab is so comprehensive and multidisciplinary, how does rehab medicine integrate with and enhance other specialties? So rehabilitation medicine um, 
can be looked at as a um, value added to almost any other medical specialty, whether that's neurology, neurosurgery, um, even obstetrics, gynecology, uh, pain management. And as Dr. Stein had mentioned, the holistic view um, that we can bring to the uh, care and management of the patient, I think is really a a very, um, is a different philosophy than what many other specialties can provide. So yes, we, uh, we do make diagnosis, but primarily what we're involved in is managing the symptoms uh, 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 that a patient uh, presents with. And so working in our team with uh, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, uh, many times orthotists and uh, prosthetists that are making artificial limbs, we can serve as the captain of the ship, the um, coordinator of uh, therapy uh, and sometimes physicians of varying um, expertise and with varying uh, skill sets and be able to really coordinate and provide the symptom management and the mobilization and the uh, achievement of hopefully the very best quality of life and performance for a patient as we possibly can. That's something that we're uniquely trained for in rehabilitation medicine. We uh, are really quite expert at managing healthcare teams. Um, And given the number of individuals that may be required in taking care of complex disease, um, by doing that, we are really providing a value-added um, on a variety of uh, patient diagnosis above and beyond what their primary physician might add. Dr. Odell, so many people in this country suffer from back pain. What kinds of treatments are available other than surgery for those many people that are suffering from back pain that can keep them from doing the daily activities they enjoy? Physiatrists and other professionals in rehabilitation medicine uh, are really able to provide a variety of interventions, non-surgical interventions, for our patients with uh, low back pain or neck pain. Uh, In addition to uh, uh, exercise, and this can be provided uh, by a physical therapist, and by the way, there are very good, very well-researched strategies and types of exercises that a physical therapist can use uh, to ameliorate uh, particular types of back pain. Having a rehabilitation medicine physician or physiatrist involved allows uh, oral medications to be explored as well as other interventional uh, local injections uh, into the back. There are also um, uh, procedures that can identify a nerve, uh, a uh, pain-generating nerve, and that nerve can uh, be um, temporarily uh, inactivated, leading to pain relief. Um, If not, uh, there are other um, uh, implantable Uh, devices that can be used to help control back pain as well. The reality is that in the vast majority of cases, um, back pain can be managed and minimized without surgery, and it's relatively few individuals who eventually require uh, back surgery to control their pain and improve quality of life. Dr. Stein, rehab medicine can help so many people. Tell us how it can help women, and also tell us how it can help children, and how do you work with children doing rehab? So women have unique health needs that are overlapping, of course, with those of men, but have some distinct areas. Um, Certainly, uh, for example, we know that women are predisposed to certain types of injuries, such as uh, ACL, um, anterior collateral ligament uh, injuries. That's a a well-known predisposition. um, There are also specific issues related to pregnancy. Uh, Pregnancy-related back pain is extremely common and uh, often under-recognized and under-treated. Uh, and the sort of thing we actually can help with. Um, There are also some women who struggle with uh, longer-term pelvic pain, sometimes after childbirth, um, sometimes unrelated to that. 
and uh, they may have muscular spasm that's affecting the pelvis, and there are rehabilitation therapies for that as well. Uh, we are fortunate to have uh, specific expertise in, in women's uh, rehabilitation needs and, um, and someone who specializes particularly in pelvic muscle pain disorders. We are fortunate to have uh, special uh, expertise within our department. We have uh, physicians with uh, a focus on these er issues and uh, who can help people uh, beyond sort of just general rehabilitation, really have a, a specialty focus on, on this. In terms of children, um, children can um, have a variety of different um, disabling or potentially disabling illnesses. Um, at the more severe end, that can include neurologic disorders. Cerebral palsy is the most common problem that we see, and um, we have um, a lot of experience dealing with uh, the, um, the needs of children with this problem. Um, exercise therapies, of course, PT, OT, oftentimes speech therapies are part of that. Uh, spasticity management is frequently a problem in, um, in children with cerebral palsy, and uh, that's an area where we have expertise as well. There are other issues that can affect children. We have uh, a, um, a program where we treat musculoskeletal disorders in children, for example, among uh, dancers or athletes. Um, or um, musicians, uh, even at a young age, can develop pain from overuse, sometimes from bad form. Uh, they're not using the instrument correctly, for example, um, or they're pushing their bodies too hard. And we have expertise in those uh, sports medicine issues affecting children as well. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you, please, to each describe a patient case study where maybe the patient had tried other specialties and treatments before coming to see a physiatrist and how you were able to help them in a way that another specialty might not have been able to. So, Dr. Stein, I'd like to start with you. Certainly. So, um, it's not uncommon for me to uh, see people with stroke who have come to me um, perhaps um, sometime after having been in the hospital and having, for whatever reason, sort of been lost to rehabilitation follow-up. Um, they, um, they just haven't really had a, a close um, uh, follow-up from, from whatever reasons as they've transitioned from one phase to another, and, um, and their needs have been ignored. Um, and the sorts of things that I often address in these individuals are, first of all, uh, improving their walking. Many of them are able to further uh, improve their ability to get around perhaps um, getting rid of a, um, a large cane and using a, a more modest uh, one or get rid of a cane altogether to walk more independently. Um, oftentimes, physical therapy is a part of that. Sometimes people need braces that they've not been provided, and, um, and we can help them with that. Another common issue is muscle spasticity, uh, this abnormal increase in muscle activity that's not under the person's control. And that tends to actually occur some months after a stroke, so it may not have been recognized initially, may not have been present, and then has become a problem gradually over time. Uh, that's the sort of situation where injections are often helpful in alleviating discomfort and uh, often improving function to, uh, to some degree. Um, sometimes I help people get back to driving, people that don't realize that despite the fact that they have some residual disability, they can, in fact, uh, resume driving. Uh, with appropriate modifications and, uh, and preparation. And um, we see a lot of depression that's not been recognized. And part of our job is to point that out and make sure that that gets treated. Um, depression is very common after stroke and yet often attributed to just uh, kind of the consequences of disability. Uh, you know, who wouldn't be depressed if you were feeling like that sort of thing? But the fact of the matter is that depression is a highly 
common and very treatable condition after stroke, and part of our job is to make sure that it gets the attention it needs. Dr. O'Dell, your turn. Tell us about a patient's story where you've helped someone that with back pain or something that couldn't get help anywhere else. So I, I think the case that I would choose is a, a woman in her mid-50s with multiple sclerosis who I saw several years ago. And if there are three things that distinguish physiatry, um, the training that we receive in physiatry. Again, our, our focus on performance, the fact that we're able to work and lead healthcare teams so well. But the third point is that we are very well trained in both neurology and musculoskeletal medicine. And there's a huge overlap in those um, medical disciplines. I, again, this uh, this patient that I cared for a few years ago came to me with stiffness in both her legs. Now, as Dr. Stein had mentioned, spasticity is a very common cause of stiffness. And she had seen uh, several uh, physicians. She had actually received botulinum toxin injections in the past, but it didn't seem to be helping her symptoms. So she reported to my outpatient clinic, and I noticed on exam that she had very, very little range of motion of her hips, but her knee and her ankles look pretty well, um, pretty good. This would be very unusual in a neurologic setting. So after checking x-rays, it turned out that she had very severe arthritis of both of her hips, a musculoskeletal, not a neurologic reason for her walking problems, despite the fact that she had MS. Um, eventually, after uh, trying some conservative uh, measures, she eventually required um, hip replacement surgery on both sides. She actually came to us in our inpatient rehab unit after that uh, to help out with her mobilization. And about six or eight months after I initially saw her, she was back to a normal level of walking and a substantial improvement in her mobility and her quality of life. Again, I think this is partly due to the fact that we are able to see both the neurologic and the musculoskeletal complications that may come with multiple sclerosis. Again, a very unique aspect of training and rehabilitation medicine. Dr. Stein, to wrap up in summary, what else would you like patients to know about the field of rehab medicine? And tell us about your team at Weill Cornell. I think what really is remarkable in the experiences of the patients who um, I've spoken to, who've provided me feedback, has been the sense that um, when they come to see one of our physicians, we really hear them. We really listen to them in a way that perhaps is becoming a bit of a lost art in medicine. Um, I've had my own family members receive care from colleagues within the department and have been really gratified by the attention to um, taking a, a thoughtful and detailed history, understanding where the problem came from, what activities or injuries might have led to it, and working out a treatment plan that is not based on a preconceived notion of how to fix the problem, but really is tailored to the individual goals and aspirations of the specific patient. Um, these are just a great group of people we have in our department and, and really among the most humanistic positions I've ever worked with. Um, they're technically skilled but have not lost the ability to really listen and uh, hear what people are, are needing help with and, and provide them both the emotional and the technical uh, expertise that they need. Dr. Odell, last word to you. Give us your best advice for keeping healthy, active, and hopefully pain-free. What do you tell your patients every single day? We've talked about how important exercise is. Give us your best advice. I would say that um, exercise in any 
quantity is going to be beneficial. We often think of exercise as uh, running a marathon or seeing the types of activities that uh, athletes are involved in in the Olympics or on TV. Exercise can be as quite, quite as simple as walking around the block um, at a slow pace um, within one's um, ability, both from a cardiovascular standpoint and a musculoskeletal standpoint. Staying as active as you can for as long as you can is probably the most important advice that can be given. And even after an injury, neurologic or musculoskeletal, even if it um, even if it causes and is associated with small amounts of pain, figure out how to minimize those pain, that pain, and rather than doing nothing, try to do your very best to get up within your limitation and be as active as you can. Absolutely great advice. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for being with us today, really for sharing your expertise, such important information. This concludes today's episode of Back to Health. We'd like to thank our listeners and invite our audience to download, subscribe, rate, and review Back to Health on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. For more health tips, please go to wildcornell.org and search podcasts. And parents, don't forget to check out Kids HealthCast. If you or a loved one is undergoing cancer treatment, rehabilitation medicine can help with recovery and ease painful side effects. If you'd like to learn more about cancer care, we have a podcast dedicated to oncology. CancerCast, hosted by Dr. John Leonard, a leading hematology oncologist. All information contained in this podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes. The information is not intended nor suited to be a replacement or substitute for professional medical treatment or for professional medical advice relative to a specific medical question or condition. We urge you to always seek the advice of your physician or medical professional with respect to your medical condition or questions. While Cornell Medicine makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast, and any reliance on such information is done at your own risk. Participants may have consulting, equity, board board membership, or other relationships with pharmaceutical, biotech, or device companies unrelated to their role in this podcast. No payments have been made by any company to endorse any treatments, devices, or procedures. And while Cornell Medicine does not endorse, approve, or recommend any product, service, or entity mentioned in this podcast, opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and do not represent the perspectives of Weill Cornell Medicine as an institution.